You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. One of the most common questions I get asked is, what is my favorite probiotic? And my answer is always just thrive. Most probiotics out there on the market aren't even true probiotics. They don't arrive alive in the intestine, so they are not even doing their job. And Just Thrive is a spore probiotic formulation made up of four bacillus strains that arrives 100% alive to the intestines, which is why people get real results with this probiotic, even if they've tried other probiotics before. This probiotic has been shown in human clinical trials to actually cure leaky gut in as little as 30 days. This formulation can start to heal leaky gut and Leaky gut is at the root of most major chronic illnesses in the Western world, like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, autoimmune disease, dementia, and other serious illnesses. There's no refrigeration needed. These strains are so stable that they don't need refrigeration. Probiotics that need to be refrigerated are so sensitive that they can't survive room temperature and are definitely not going to survive in your 98.6 degree body. Just Thrive is my top recommendation for supporting your immune system. Really important if you struggle with allergies, food sensitivities, autoimmune disease, or just any symptoms of low immunity. And I would also recommend their Ultimate IgG product for extra support in this department. I recommend this to all of my clients with compromised immune systems. Plus, Just Thrive Probiotic can actually help you reach your ideal body weight because it improves the production of short-chain fatty acids, which means less fat storage, higher fat burn, improved insulin sensitivity, improved satiety, and less gut and systemic inflammation overall. If you are ready to improve your mood and energy levels, get rid of joint pain, get rid of your allergies, improve your recovery time if you work out, and of course, optimize your digestion, definitely check out Just Thrive Probiotic. I am so picky about probiotics and I am so adamant about the importance of your gut health and Just Thrive is my top rec. And I also recommend checking out their most recent release, which is their Gluten Away, which is great to have on hand if you accidentally get exposed to gluten in your food. Really helps to settle down your stomach. So if you want to get 15% off of any product from Just Thrive, Go to bit.ly slash justthrivechristina, and you can use my code christina15 for 15% off. Again, that's bit.ly slash justthrivechristina, and my code christina15, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-1-5, will get you 15% off. On today's show, I am chatting with two of my friends, Ashley and Sarah Armstrong, who are 
some of the funniest humans ever. Ashley and Sarah are sisters who are extremely passionate about sharing the carnivore way of life, regenerative agriculture, and all things health and fitness. Ashley is getting her PhD in mechanical engineering and is defending at the end of 2020. And Sarah received her bachelor's in health sciences and postgrad studies in integrative nutrition. They have a popular YouTube channel where they vlog their life, their carnivore diet, and all of their workouts. Just search Armstrong Sisters on YouTube. You can also find them on Instagram at strong.sistas and on their website, armstrongsisters.com. I found them when I started getting more interested in the carnivore diet and there aren't that many people doing carnivore who are my age and so I was immediately interested in in what they were doing and we're so similar they're hilarious and they do not take life too seriously which I love but they provide a ton of valuable science and helpful information about living the carnivore lifestyle they healed their autoimmune diseases through this way of eating they've tried so many different ways of eating and have really just tried it all to heal their different health issues. So it's a really inspiring story and I loved that in this show they shared some more details about their their journeys that I haven't heard them talk about before. But I freaking love them. Ashley and Sarah are hilarious. They're so nice, down to earth, and just really passionate about helping other people. They're so knowledgeable and I highly recommend checking out their content. I also just love that they're not dogmatic at all. They have found that carnivore works really well for them in managing their symptoms and putting putting their autoimmune diseases in remission, but they're just so open about honoring your own body and what works for you. But make sure you go check them out on Instagram because they're just hilarious and so much fun to watch and they make learning fun. I'm really excited to share this episode. We talk about so many different topics, and I think a lot of you will be able to relate to some of their health struggles. It's just a really open and honest conversation with them, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So let's hop into this chat with Ashley and Sarah Armstrong. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I've been so excited to chat with you guys, and let's just start off by you uh, introducing yourselves to my audience in case they don't know what you guys do. Yeah. Okay. So we are Ashley and Sarah. Well, I'm Sarah and this is my sister, Ashley. And we are the strong sisters on Instagram and on YouTube and on YouTube now. Um, so we promote the carnivore way of life and which is, is pretty much a diet. And we just love sharing this with other people because it allowed us to take back our health so much. And so that's the mission that we're on to hopefully inspire others to do the same. And we're also super passionate about regenerative agriculture. And so that's another thing that we try to talk about and mix into our daily life to share our passion for that as well. Yeah, I love that you guys talk a lot about that because I don't think enough people in the space give enough attention to it and that you make it very entertaining to learn about. <laughs> um, so thank you for that. When did you guys start your, your YouTube channel and like your whole page? Yeah, so... Uh, wow. So for Instagram, it's two different timelines. For Instagram, we started maybe 2017, posting like kind of our health and fitness journey and maybe 2017. And then we went through the whole uh, experience of going keto and then to eventually go to carnivore. And so in terms of posting just about carnivore, it's been almost a year now. Yeah. And we kind of just in the beginning shared like we were learning it at the time too. and We didn't know how powerful it was. So really, it's just been about a year of us really finding our way in social media with 
with Instagram. And of course, since we started to find our health and we got really confident with that in terms of like going to carnivore, that's when we took it to YouTube and we're like, hey, we need to share this to more people. Yeah. And so we just got consistent with doing, I, okay, so I was calling it vlogs. I guess it's vlogs. We just got consistent with doing vlogs. Gotta get with the lingo. It's a ton of fun because um, we're able to answer more questions more in detail like these podcasts like hearing people talk is a little bit easier So we're very new to YouTube. So vlogging every day. Yeah, it's been an experience <laughs> Guess it's getting pretty serious. So for carnival, it's been about a year. Yeah, okay. I love it No, I watch your videos every day. It's like what I do first thing um, I don't follow that many people on YouTube anymore because it's got it. It's gotten out of control but yeah. I, I want to rewind and get into your health journeys a bit because I feel like there have been so many ups and downs. And I mean, I loved when you guys went more in depth on your YouTube channel. Um, and this is the perfect platform, long form podcast for you to actually talk about it. Right. So yeah. why don't you share a little bit about your health journey? I want like the full version. Um, so whoever wants to start or if you want to intertwine them, go for it. We like to talk over each other. So no. I, I think that they they start out separate mm -hmm. um, and then they get intertwined and i think that that's kind of why sarah and i have such a strong relationship is because of that intertwining mm -hmm. um, but we'll start back in the day so back in back in high school i have always been into health and fitness and was really into sports and so i learned at some sports camp that i needed to only eat whole grains you should eat super low fat and you should only stick with high protein so at the time I became obsessed with that, right? So I really took that to heart um, and I definitely developed kind of an orthorexia kind of approach where I would avoid anything that wasn't what I considered healthy. And then I would exercise a lot, probably too much. Um, and so that started back in high school and it ventured into college as well. Um, I played golf in college as a varsity athlete and just really, continued to take that message to heart. And so during this entire time, I guess like during my development period, age like 16 to around 21-ish, 22, um, probably wasn't eating enough calories and for my daily expenditure and was really restricting my fat intake. So then Sarah can talk a little bit about her high school experience. We weren't necessarily close in high school. Like I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be associated with my little sister. She wasn't cool enough. Yeah. Um, so and we just, didn't really become close until I left for college. Yeah, for context, she's four years older than me. And so she was saying she was dealing with, with this when she was like 21. She's 27 now and I'm 23. And so something she missed is that when she was going through this all, what we never addressed over this period of time was that her hormones just were non-existent. Yeah. Like out of just, and that has led to so many issues down the line. We'll get yeah. there. So anyway, I was going, her influence on only eating healthy food influenced me to develop anorexia and bulimia. So um, I only ate healthy foods. I got so obsessed with like bikini competitors back in 2014 on Instagram and like seeing that healthy, quote, healthy way of like the bro bodybuilding lifestyle and eating the protein powders and like all the oats, like that was the thing. But then I like never saw myself looking like them. So that led to very poor body image. And then that was just a downward spiral of just um, just negative, negative mindset and depression and anxiety, which was all being worsened by my diet at the time, which was very, if it fits your macros, high carb, um, what I was told was healthy. So then I, I moved away to college and we became closer just because of, 
I don't know, bonding about this experience. But then fast forward to me entering grad school. Well, can I say something about that? Yeah, yeah. So we became so close because like, we didn't know that so many other people were going through the problems that we were going through. So like we hit it. constipation, no hormones, low libido, like brain fog, uh, brain fog, rashes, like fatigue, all those things that are not really talked about and just assumed are normal and that so many people, girls especially are going through yet they just keep it to themselves. So Ashley and I like would talk about those things and we realized like, holy crap, like I, I wasn't, that close to you but like we're the same person and so we knew we needed to tackle this together so then uh, we moved in together into the same house when I started grad school because it was I started grad school at the same place that she was in undergrad and so we started to tackle this together day to day and we were really obsessed with the if it fits your macros high carb low fat approach um, so we just got into like you know all right, if I fit my veggies in, if I eat my broccoli, I can fit that those Oreos in tonight. You know, like I'm gonna slam a box of cereal tonight. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so you we know did I'm shaking your head like, yeah, I know. So yeah. we, we honestly did that for a few years, and right around that time is when our symptoms started to just like amplify, amplified. So increased body weight. Oh in yeah, increased... like we didn't increase our calories, but all of a sudden we started to blow up. Yeah, increased inflammation. Brain fog was getting horrible. Fatigue was getting horrible. We could not put on muscle. We were only putting on fat. Uh, joint pain. Joint pain. Rashes on our face and our bodies. Just like unnecessary acne when we were eating vegetables. It was just like, what is going on? Um, so then Sarah went to a rheumatologist. Yeah. So I went to a rheumatologist and ended up getting my blood work done and diagnosed with um, an autoimmune disease. It was at the time it's undifferentiated connective tissue disorder or disease and really all that's saying is there's underlying inflammation going on there's an autoimmune condition there but we're just gonna have to pay attention to your symptoms to see like where that ends up going and what you end up having so my symptoms and some of the other blood markers were aligning with lupus so that was kind of what we were I was basically told hey you can take this medicine you're gonna have lupus one day full blown out um, good luck and uh, like Basically, Ashley never went to that rheumatologist because my mom, who's one of our best friends, and she's always been into holistic health, was like, Sarah, you're not going to take the medicine. Like, we have to figure this out ourselves. So this was in 2017, and we both showed elevated ANA markers, and we weren't happy with what the rheumatologist said. So we started to try to take our health into our own hands, and that started with fasting. So we got into time-restricted feeding and periodic prolonged fasts. Yeah. Then that led us to keto, which helped with a lot of the symptoms. It really did. And then keto led us to carnivore, which now carnivore has removed most of the symptoms. Um, most noticeably for me, I no longer deal with panic attacks. I have fixed my uh, chronic constipation. My ANA blood work is now completely negative, and I have more energy now than like I did in high school. So. I don't know why she said some of the symptoms. All of our symptoms are yeah. bad. There's no more rashes. There's no more inflammation. It, no more joint pain. It's literally, it's so empowering that that is why we share this on social media now. So like you can watch our, our YouTubes from a year ago and then you can watch them now and you can, you can see the difference. Yeah. So that was a very long yes, story, but that, that's the that, whole thing. Yeah. Wow. No, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I think there are so many parts of that, that, you know, whether or not people are carnivore now, they can relate to that. And so many women go through this and don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I really love what you guys are doing. I mean, for me, I have gone through so many crazy health issues over the years and tried every 
crazy diet, every elimination diet, and carnivore was the only thing that actually helped. Um, and I mean, it's funny, you know, when you talk about your constipation, like I was that person who, for as long as I can remember, I wouldn't poop more than once a month. Like if I was lucky, sometimes I would go two to three months once I went over three months, um, without pooping, you know? And it's like, I thought that was normal. No one's talking about this shit. Literally. (laughs) Um, you are a constipation queen. Yeah. Yeah. That was rough. Right. So, and when you were talking about, you got an x-ray, you got an x-ray and they said there was poop up, up to your throat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't want to see your x-ray. Yeah. Well, when you said that, I thought, oh my God, I, that must've been happening to me. Like, so we like to explain this to some people when that happens, your body becomes a poop hotel. So it's wasting energy housing that poop, right? Like that pulls away from your energy that pulls away from your nutrients. It's not okay. And I was told, I I went to the Mayo Clinic. I went to specialists about this. And the only thing that they told me was here, here's some Miralax, increase your fiber. Here's some psyllium husk. And you know, it's just, you're the person, you're the type of person that just doesn't poop that much and you're just going to have to live with it. And like, that was depressing. I feel that. That's what they, that's what they told me too. And like, and connected to the hormones, right? It's like your detoxification pathways are not open. Like yeah. your poor liver. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, and just emotionally when you're constipated all the time, yeah. you are so moody. Like I was such a bitch all the time because I'm like so uncomfortable. And self-conscious because your body's holding on to water. You have this large stomach that's just holding on to poop. It leads to so many issues. Yeah, it is. It's not fun. But okay, so let me rewind because I'm gonna try and work through my questions timeline yeah. oriented. Okay, so okay, so what like you guys bonded over the fact that you're both going through these issues? But how did that conversation open up? That's what a really that's a I, yeah. Let's talk about this more. I think. Yeah, we don't actually think about it because I feel like it, it would be really helpful for other girls to have someone to go through it with them. Um, I think that when we moved in together, when we started doing everything the same, um, and then we both started exper- experiencing things that like were less than optimal, that's probably when we started to open up the conversation. I think one of the one of the toughest conversations that we both had an issue talking about was like sex having a very low libido and feeling uncomfortable about our bodies and like, and like, okay, if you're constipated, no, you don't want to have sex. Like, nope, I've got a lot of shit in me and that's (laughs) that's all that's going on. So I think like once we finally got past and talking about that and realizing, because she suffered from vestibulitis. And so once we started opening up that door, it just led to everything else. Like, hey, yeah, like, and also noticeable things like on my skin, like I'm like, holy crap, Ashley, what's going on? So, but honestly, if I were to give advice to someone who is dealing with these things, realizing that so many other females are going through these issues and that you are not alone and people should not be hiding these things. I I still don't think any of these issues are talked about enough. Um, And I think that's why girls are scared to share with other people about it because they're nervous. Like, oh, this girl's doing well. Like I can't, I don't feel comfortable sharing. So I think understanding that and accepting that others are going through the same thing yeah oh but then also like don't just run to the doctor like please do some research and like realize there's a community out there who can help you figure it out 
yeah. holistically. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I think it's so great. You guys are sharing all this stuff. And that's, I mean, that's why I started my page too. Like I, I started my blog when I was in college, like going through all this shit. Um, yeah. so I mean, people who are listening, who feel like they don't have anyone to talk to about it. It's like all three of us talk about our stuff and like, we're creating communities where you can. Um, yeah. so that's helpful at least. I mean, I know when I was going through it, like I didn't have a sister to talk to, but the internet really helped me because I found people who were like-minded and who could listen. Um, but so, so when you were struggling with anorexia and bulimia, did, Ashley, did you know? No, um, I did not know. And like, I will forever be upset at myself for not being a good sister at that time. Um, I was granted, I was away at college, but still it's hard to accept that like you have let your little sister get to that stage right and i feel like because i had such a strict view of food nutrition um orthorexia at its extreme Mm -hmm. that i had an influence on that so it, it we're so close now that like i don't i don't feel bad about it at this current moment but reflecting back like you you have to i hold myself to blame so, like, that's, like, a huge topic. Like, does your page talk about eating disorders a lot? Or Yeah, that's a big focus. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, like you were saying about you went to the Internet. I think the Internet is a double-edged sword. Yeah. And so at the time, this was when Instagram was just starting to become a thing. Like, when the fitness accounts really started to rise. And that's when I got into fitness and that's when I started to compare myself to like these fitness models that were just posting perfect selfies on their highlight realm of their Instagram page. So although she did maybe start with the healthy food, like Ashley influenced me to eat healthy, it wasn't her that led me to have such a poor body image. It was what I was seeing online because I was following the wrong people. Yeah. And um, again, like going through that all and then losing control of my health due to my diet that I was eating, that just, that made everything so much worse because I didn't feel in control. And so even if I was starting to eat less eventually, like I still felt fat. I still felt like I couldn't manage that on my own. And something that's really ironic is that a lot of people will view carnivore as a restrictive diet that of course, you are on carnivore, you have an eating disorder. You're avoiding carbs, you have an eating disorder. You're, you, you, you don't eat, you're not gonna eat that bread, you have an eating disorder. And it's so ironic because living this lifestyle, living a ketogenic life on carnivore, I have never felt more in control of my body or my health or my habits with food than I do now. And like, I just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like the switch there. You have so much control over things in this way of life because you're no longer dealing with all of these psychological or physiological issues, if that makes sense. I really think that both of us did not overcome our eating disorders until we regained control of our health. Yeah. Because when you do not have control over your health, you know, you know the thoughts that pop up like, oh my God, like, am I going to gain weight from this? Like, I don't, I don't know where the next 10 days are leading me because I don't know what to do with my health. So therefore you fear things. Whereas now we know, Hey, I'm going to pound down a ribeye steak. That's super fatty. What an example. (laughs) But I mean, but I, and I, and I'm confident that I'm going to use that bioavailable protein, that wonderful fat source. And like, I understand what it's doing for me now. Whereas in the past, 
I was so lost in what healthy was and so lost with how I could control my health that you just feared everything. Well, also, if you're walking around constipated and bloated, you have a skewed mindset on what your body looks like because you're going to eventually you're going to start confusing the bloat for fat. Absolutely. You're going to call yourself fat. So then you eat less. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, that's just a negative spiral for someone to be in. And yeah, I don't even know if we answered your question. I don't even know what it was. It doesn't matter. No, I love that conversation. That's something I talk about a lot. I actually just published a podcast. I think it was last week or the week before about how people don't understand how much gut issues or health issues and eating disorders are intertwined. Um, And this is why I have a huge problem with traditional methods of recovery because they don't do anything for root cause, right? But if you are having crazy reactions to every food you eat, like, of course you're going to be afraid of eating certain foods. Or you feel like no matter what you eat, you're inflamed or you have a skin rash or you're constipated. Like, that would drive anyone crazy, right? So it it really is true. Um, But something else that I think is really interesting is, so for me – when I so I was in college and finding really close friends who kind of had been through something similar to me was very helpful because I could relate to them and we had each other's backs. But then there were certain relationships where I felt like it almost started to to feed into to bad behaviors again, like because I would notice some of my friends still had some behaviors. I don't know. When I was around it. We were talking about it. Did you? I mean, I think you guys obviously getting so close and living together ultimately has been so incredible for your health journeys. But was there ever a point where you felt like it was kind of still feeding into you still being into like macros, like the ED behavior at all? Honestly, I can see how that would be an issue. But Sarah and I have made a commitment to each other to always be honest. And so we all keep each other in check. Yeah, like, okay. Once you have, I fully believe, okay, actually, I don't know if I believe this anymore. I was going to say that once you have an eating disorder, you sort of always have an eating disorder, like, because you're always going to have those thoughts in your head. But it's very hard to, like, completely just eliminate that from your mind, because you're used to thinking that way. You can gain control over it and be able to influence your decisions based on the control you have, but you will still likely have those thoughts. So to this day, Ashley and I will still catch each other, like, She'll potentially, this is an example for carnivore will understand. She'll potentially put less raw beef suet on her plate. Raw beef suet is a fat source. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, is she reducing her calories because she thinks she's fat right now? And so I, I keep her in check and I say like, hey, Ash, why are you doing that? What's like, your goal? What's your goal? You had a really hard gym session. Like, I think you need that nutrients. Like, just, just making sure you're in check there and you're not going to like, you know, what's going on? So, so I, it's still something that we work through. I, I agree in that that relate that can be toxic, but I think it's super important to find friends that are real, not just trying to say something that they think is going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Sarah and I cannot make like oh, we, we argue about this. We so. are 100% honest with each other about this, <sighs> and we don't say things to try to just please the other. We know we just need to be real. Yeah, you gotta find a real friend. Well, that's the advantage of being sisters, right? You can be very straight up versus just a friend. Absolutely. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Okay. So, well, since we're on this topic, so like now you guys eat carnivore. Yeah. How did you make the leap from going from like tracking your macros? Like probably, I mean, I'm sure you know the calories and everything at this point, um, macro counting to like being able to feel free, just like eating, eating meat. Because I think there are a lot of people who, whatever their history is, Weight Watchers, IFYM, 
they're struggling going from this calorie counting background to like just eating and trusting that eating more fat, eating more protein is going to be fine. How do you, how do you make that leap? Okay. So I think that in general, it's a lot easier to be intuitive on carnivore because you're, you don't have those strong like sugar addictions. Those are gone. Mm -hmm. So there's not, there's a lot less urge to do those binges. Um, full disclosure, Ashley and I still do track our fat and our protein amount. And we do that because we are, physicals. we have sp very specific physicals and performance goals. So like whether that's bodybuilding or powerlifting. And so we need to be able to ideally tweak that in a specific amount of time to like, say for example, to go to a powerlifting meet and meet a weight class. But we also eat very intuitively. So like I was saying, like Ashley will do less beef suet or add more beef suet if she had a very training or hard training session or if she's hungrier that day. So, ah, this is such a hard topic because like when you go from a mind, when you are living a life of counting your macros to try to go to intuitive eating, um, it's very hard, especially like on a standard American diet or even keto. Um, cause there's still those vegetables there and you don't know how your body's going to respond. Like you were saying, but when you're carnivore, you don't, you eliminate those negative reactions. So you really only are starting to listen to your hunger cues, if that makes sense. And you can pay attention to your energy levels because they're no longer skewed by having the fatigue and the brain fog. You have pure energy and you have a baseline that you know. So like if you are starting to lose that energy throughout the day, that's a very good signal that you need to add more fat into your diet, which could easily be meaning going from a sirloin, which is a lean steak to a chuck roast, which is a fattier steak. So there's really easy ways that you can tweak that without logging into my fitness pal, just based on the selection of meat, if that makes sense. So we try to be intuitive with it in terms of adding more fat or taking away fat. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it's a journey and we're still on that journey. Yeah. Full transparency. We still track our macros, but I would say that now we take an intuitive tracking approach. Yes. So on days where, you listen to the hunger cues, right? And so let's say near the end of the day, you're almost ready to make your final meal and you're like super hungry. There's nothing wrong with adding more food to that meal. Yeah. And start you just have to get comfortable with. Yeah. So as she mentioned, like we have specific physicals. So I've now been in a caloric surplus for a while and I have put on 11 pounds and I've never in my life ever been this confident with like, heck yes, I hell, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Hell, no, should I health effing? Yes. I gained 11 pounds and I love it. Um, so since starting carnivore, I've gained 11 pounds and it's been about 10 to 11 months. Um, and I think you probably that, love it cause you're not full of shit anymore. I'm not full of shit. And I'm finally putting on muscle in the gym. And of course there's fat gain. Like I have fat gain, but I'm, I, I have in control. I'm in control and I've accepted it. And I've really been focusing that like, Hey, yeah. right now my goal is to put on muscle and put on mass. And I, there is a time and place to be super lean. And right now is not that time and place. Yeah. So, okay. How were you guys eating right before you went keto? Keto? Oh, oh God. Okay. Like high carb. We were plant-based. We were never processed food based. So we would do the, if it fits your macros, we would incorporate cereal and Oreos from time to time but not like our every single no, day. So we yeah. were very much plant-based, healthy. We still have that like orthorexia grind going on. Um, so lower fat, 
higher macro, uh, higher carbs. And um, so therefore, you know, I can tell you my macros one day, <laughs> one day, my macros were like 420 grams of carbs. Yeah. Yeah. Bless, bless our souls. 50 grams of protein. And I want to say the fat, 30 grams of fat. Yeah, we were. And this was at a time when I was bulking, I was doing like the YOLO bulk mm-hmm. and I, just like, Oh my God, it was horrible. But so we, we were trying to incorporate fasting into this. So you, you know how, when you do time restricted feeding, you're in ketosis for some period of day, and then you switch out of it as soon as you have carbs. Mm-hmm. So we go through that switch every single day. And it was such a rough transition. And that's kind of really what pushed us over the ledge into keto being like, I can't deal with this carb to fat uh, metabolism transition anymore. So let's just go full keto. She always goes first. And I was so mad at her when she took away my carbs <laughs> and then, and then she went carnivore and took away my vegetables. Like I could snack this bitch, but it turned out fine. <laughs> so what differences did you notice when you first went keto? Yeah. Uh, a, I, lot, a lot of things got better. Honestly, the brain fog went away like within yeah. a week or two. I'm sure, you know, operating in ketosis is like, wow, it's a life change. Um, I, I'd say that that was probably the biggest change. I still didn't have that great energy levels, but the brain fog went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a slight reduction in inflammation. Yeah. Okay. So a, a lot of our autoimmune symptoms went away with keto. Um, just an example, like before keto, I would get pink eye like once a month and like, I thought that was normal. It's not normal that stopped. So a lot of, a lot of annoying things stopped, but going from keto to carnivore, I was, when I was keto, I was still dealing with chronic constipation. I was still having panic attacks probably once a week. Yeah. And, uh, you were still very inflamed. Yes. So the difference from keto to carnivore has been digestion and overall energy levels, energy levels and overall inflammation, which yeah. is very noticeable on our faces mm-hmm. and my joints. And then I think when switching from keto to carnivore, we were very plant-based when we were keto, we were plant-based yeah, keto people. We and then we switched to carnivore and became animal-based and we put on now more muscle and better body recomposition um, than we ever have. And we've been weightlifting for like 10 years. So it, it's been a Pretty yeah. significant. Yeah. Did you increase your calories from keto to carnivore? So funny, she was doing a bikini competition prep when she oh, was yeah. keto. So she had to get super low but there calories. Was, there was a period of time before my prep that I did eat like a normal human being amount of calories. Mm-hmm. And then my prep obviously got very low. And then so since then, I've slowly increased my calories up on carnivore. And I've also gained about 10 pounds now. Um, but right now... I'm eating more than I like caloric wise than I ever have like in any other diet and have never felt this confident about my body. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great. That too. Just like overall health improvements. Well, improving our metabolic dysfunction. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what, what got you into carnivore? Like what pushed you over the edge? Ashley? So my good friend Christian said, you know, you should just try this for 30 days to see if it, fixes your constipation because you've clearly tried everything else. Laxatives didn't work on me. Miralax made me 10 times more constipated. You can relate to this. And I said, yeah, why not? Like I've literally tried everything else. Let's do this. And I honestly went into it being like, this is a 30 day thing. Like who like that's what everybody says. Like like, it's a 30 day thing, 30 day thing, like whatever. And Sarah was so like, 
very upset with me because very she upset. was still in her bikini competition prep. Sorry. And she didn't, she shouldn't have, she, I'm glad she continued with the approach that she was taking because it's not a good idea to change up your diet before you get on stage, right? It's a little scary. Um, but actually now looking back, you probably should have. Yeah, probably should have. But I have this conversation with her in the bathroom. It was girl bathroom talk. And I said, like, are you seriously never going to eat a salad again? Like, you can't tell me you're never going to eat a salad again. Like, and honestly, <laughs> like, right now, standing here right now, I am totally fine with going the rest of my life without eating a salad. But I, I have no I craving for really a salad. I really think people need to understand that we were obsessed with vegetables. We are not vegetable haters. Like, we high volume we ate a ton of vegetables because it adds more volume to your plate we loved the taste so like something physiologically goes on under the surface when you switch to carnivore like i promise you you will start to like if you think you're gonna miss your vegetables you will not miss your vegetables i don't like i just need to get that across to people because we get that question all the time no, I can relate. And people ask me that all the time because everyone thinks of me as the veggie queen too. Like, cause they saw how I ate before. Like, don't yeah. you miss it? And I mean, I don't know. I wanted to ask you about this for me. The first, my, my adaptation period was tough. Like it was really rough, even though I was coming from ketosis. Like I was ketogenic before I did a three day fast first. And then I went into carnivore and still my first, like probably first 45 days were hard and I did crave vegetables so much. I was like, if I don't have cauliflower in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to kill myself. Like, that's how I was. I felt like a rabid animal. But then it went away. Yeah. Um, so that's bizarre for me. But I'm curious, like, about your, about your adaptation periods and what that was like for you. Yeah. So I went, when I first switched to carnivore, I went 21 days without pooping. And someone would probably be like, are you insane? Like, why did you stick with it? Yeah. And so I think you're, everyone is going to have mixed symptoms and you can't predict how you're going to feel when you first start. You're going to see some improvements and some things may be bad. Um, but I was really committed to it. I did like the no sweeteners, no coffee, no caffeine, just salt and meat and fat. Um, in that tw 21 day period was rough, right? So I'm like in my head, I pooped more when I was keto, like should I go back? But I definitely think I could have approached carnivore a little bit better from the start. I relied on a lot of rendered fat. So if you are a super active individual and you're trying to put on weight, you're going to have to eat high fat carnivore diet. It's just the only way to get your uh, calories in and get sufficient energy. And for healing. Yeah. So I was pounding down mounds of ghee, mounds of butter, scraping up all the rendered bacon fat. And I think that that rendered fat caused a lot of issues in my gut because my gut itself was broken and damaged to begin with. And those rendered fats can act as like little rafts, little uh, boats and can take bad bacteria that's in your gut and like go across the gut wall because you have like open permeable so gut lining. Putting toxins so basically putting more toxins in my bloodstream into my system and just causing more buildup and digestion. So for anyone starting the carnivore diet would not suggest relying on rendered fats. There's nothing wrong with including them in your diet. So like I still have ghee butter. I cook with butter all the time, but now I don't pound down mounds of butter. I eat a lot of raw beef suet, a lot of yolks, a lot of raw animal fats. And that has really improved my digestion on carnivore. 
Wearing blue light blocking glasses is one of the easiest biohacks you can introduce into your life to support your sleep, to balance out your hormones, to improve your mood, and to improve your energy levels. And that's why I really want to share with you my favorite blue blocker company, Blue Blocks. I've tried so many different types of blue light blocking glasses over the years, and these by far give the best results because they are 100% backed by the science. Orange lenses are only blocking a part of the blue and green light spectrum that disrupts our circadian rhythm, which in turn causes health issues. But Blue Blocks has red lenses, their Sleep Plus red lens, that are tested to make sure they're blocking that full spectrum so that you get better sleep, deeper sleep, less anxiety, and ultimate relaxation. I like to wear my Sleep Plus red lens with the Parker frame as soon as the sun goes down. And then during the day, I wear the Blue Light Clear lens, which is a blue light filtering lens for the daytime, best for people who work in more natural lighting. But if you work in more artificial lighting or you struggle with seasonal depression, I would recommend the Summer Glow Yellow Lens. These daytime glasses will help reduce migraines, headaches, macular degeneration, and digital eye strain, which is super important if you're on a screen all day. Like me, I notice that my head hurts, I feel foggy, I get moody, I'm just really cranky if I don't wear my blue light clear lens. They have about 20 different frames to pick from, so you'll definitely find something that you like. I get compliments on these glasses all the time, and you can also send in your own frames or use their custom-made prescription service if you'd like something a little bit more customized. And if you really want to amp up your sleep game, check out their Remedy Sleep Mask, which is a 100% light-blocking sleep mask. This has changed the game for me. And for every pair of glasses they sell, Blue Blocks will donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who gifts them to someone in need. So if you want to get your hands on the best blue light blockers on the market, just go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S will get you 15% off. When you use these every day, trust me, you'll notice a huge improvement in your productivity, your mood, your energy, and of course, your sleep. But so constipation was bad, but my, um, energy had never been better. And I don't know what that says. I think like I didn't have that rough of an energy adaptation period. My lifts were okay. They weren't great, but I expected that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say for me, the worst part was the constipation and you had yeah. the exact and opposite. I had the opposite. I had like the flaming liquid poops on my butt every day. I literally, I didn't think I was digesting anything. It was crazy. So it really just depends on like probably your gut microbiome and where you're at there with how you're going to respond. And you might not be that good at digesting fats to begin with if you are new to digesting fats. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I the, like the takeaway should be that like you just got to give it that like two, three, four weeks and you can't give up on it because yeah. it does get better. Find a support system that'll help encourage you to get through that adaptation period. Yeah. I was on the diarrhea side of things for like, yeah, for over a month. And, but it wasn't like regular diarrhea. I was, this is so gross. I was literally just pooping out green liquid. Like it was like, I was just pooping out bile or something. Yeah. Honestly, it was gross and very painful. And I like couldn't leave like, and I would get the, the flu quote, not, you know, I was get I would get the flu every four days, so I'd feel fine for four, like four days, and then over the weekend I would have the flu. Is what it felt like. It wasn't really the flu, um, 
and that hap- that was going on for like four weeks. It was crazy. I think that's just a sign of like all the toxins and shit leaving your body. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was fun. But did you guys have like cravings or anything? All right. So <sighs> when I first started, yeah. I, I definitely did. Um, but now fast forward to where I am now, it probably didn't help that I was eating other things. Yeah. But I, I committed to the goal, so I wanted to carry through, but now fast forward now that we take strictly. Yeah. Now that we take a nose to tail carnivore approach, which there's a debate on whether that's needed and that that's fine. That debate can happen. The reason that we love it is because eating nose to tail opens up so many different tastes, so many different textures. So I'm, if I feel like crunchy, so like, for example, if someone's craving like a cucumber or something crunchy like that, like I can go get a texture profile from another part of an animal. I can go make chicken skin chips. I can go have crispy pork belly. So I think because we take the nose to tail approach that really removes any cravings for us because we have such a wide palette that we can choose from. Yeah. But I also think that, so carnivore in itself is like, it's pretty much an elimination. It's a very powerful elimination diet. And once you go full carnivore, say for 30, 30 days, or like you figure out what was going wrong to begin with, then you can start adding things back. There's in. nothing wrong with adding. So like there's yeah. totally sources of benign carbs. Like, like she said, cucumbers or olives or Squash. avocado. So there's things that you can add in and probably get away with if you don't have a severe autoimmune condition going on. So we like our guilty pleasure is having rebel ice cream because we found that it totally works for us and we don't have any negative consequences. We don't get bothered by uh, a minimal amount of sugar alcohol. So like maybe once every two weeks we'll have rebel ice cream and like being restrictive is never going to work for me coming from a past eating disorder. So if I know in my mind that I can include those things, I'm going to be totally fine day to day. Yeah. But I, I don't think anyone should ever be like, all right, full carnivore. I can't have this. It's, I can't have that carb ever. I think that's very unhealthy, especially for people who come from an eating sort yeah. of background, having that restrictive mindset. Yeah. What's have... most important is being animal based. Yeah. If you include other things from time to time, your body is more robust to respond robust. to those and digest it better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm similar on the fact I tell people I'm like 95% carnivore cause I'm usually eating carnivore, but I have like every morning I have coffee or a matcha latte so yeah. I have some coconut milk. I do really well with like rebel ice cream or like other dairy, like other ice creams that are cleaner. Um, yeah. And then I actually do really well with like squash. Right, I it's right before my period. I just get this insane craving for a carb, so I just have some squash, and it goes away. And it's like three days of that. Experiment and, and find what yeah. yeah, we all tell people it's all about finding. Christina's carnivore diet that is sustainable for her. Ashley's carnivore diet that's sustainable for me. Sarah's carnivore diet. No one approach is going to work for everyone. And so you should experiment to find what works for you mentally and physically. But I want to know, I think that's so important that you said that like right before you get your period, you have that craving. And I think it's so important that you listen to that because going to a zero carb diet or a low carb diet potentially could mess up somebody's hormones and they need to pay attention to those like instinctive cravings at that point. Yeah. And I think that's excellent. Like squash is a benign carb if you remove the skin and the seeds and that's like a perfect route to take. But we, we did that over the summer and it worked really well. What she means by benign is it has less anti-nutrients and toxins than other carb Which sources. Is, yeah. yeah. 
such yeah. as spinach. Yeah, yeah, that's been working for me. Yeah, well, I was curious. Have you guys tried any, like, greens? Have you tried reintroducing any greens? Yeah, so last summer we did some experiments that we called Targeted Carnivore Diet, TCD. And so we documented some of this on YouTube where we just explored adding carbs around our workouts, honestly, just for like, why not? Mm -hmm. uh, and so we added things like honey, white rice, sweet potato, squash, um, berries, some yogurt, yogurt things like that. And uh, we definitely actually had different reactions to certain things. So sweet potato really spiked my blood sugar and made me feel like really like I didn't have much energy. It just didn't work that well for me. Honey worked really well for me. So did white rice. Sarah had the, so it's just, it shows like everyone's going to have a different experience and adding in like experimenting with what carbs you can quote get away with. Right. And not see extreme negative consequences is totally fine. Are you guys, are you guys dating right now? Either of you? Okay, sorry. For oh. a <laughs> we get this a lot. I thought you meant if we are dating. Like, oh no, I mean like someone else. <laughs> I I was in a three year relationship and I broke up with him. We broke up January of 2019, mm -hmm. and I've been single as a Pringle since then. Um, honestly, life is crazy, hecty, busy right now, and I just want to finish my PhD, and so just. Lads, all you lads out there. He loves a Pringle. Are you? I, I, so I went through a really bad relationship in college. And so it kind of just like, I was not independent at that time. I was very codependent on someone else. And so it's led me to become very independent. And I am in a relationship right now, but I am just, I'm still figuring my shit out because I am so independent now that I don't feel like I need someone else. And I'm like on this entrepreneurial grind that like, I'm very bad at being in a relationship right now. So it, she is in a relationship. Yeah. I am, but you know, like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't, if that makes she sense. She could be, she could be a better girlfriend. That's what yeah, she's trying to say. She's in a relationship and I'm a, yeah, he's one of my good friends, but she could be a better girlfriend. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I am. And the reason I ask is because people always ask me, how are you carnivore and with your boyfriend? And I'm like, he doesn't care. <laughs> like we go eat ribs. <laughs> so I was going to ask you if you ever find it, it gets in the way. I think that like you, one should realize that a man wants to see you eating meat and not a fucking salad. Yeah. Like you should go for it. Don't like reduce your calories in front of them. Like they don't ever want to see that. And for me, I just like bluntly took my boyfriend through my transformation. I was like, look, I'm keto. You need to learn all about this because I want you to be healthy. And then when I was like, I'm carnivore, I'm like, look, you need to learn about this because I want you to be healthy and I want you to be there in 20 years. So but I like, think that's a huge message to tell people is like, is tell girls is guys want to see you being confident about these things. And yeah. you don't have to like settle. That's not the right word. I don't know the right word. Don't hide. Don't hide. What you don't have to do. hide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are way too worried about what other people are going to think about the way they eat. And exactly. like, if someone cares, they're not your person. They don't care. If somebody does care, they have something going wrong with them. Like, yeah. period. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get more into like your approach with carnivore. Um, yeah. I am curious 
about what you think about protein to fat ratios. Yeah, um, I think that that really depends on your goal. So if you are extremely athletic, like you expend a lot of energy, you push yourself really hard in the gym, we lift probably five to six times a week, we go really intense in the gym. If you are one of those individuals, you need to eat high calorie and you need to eat high fat because fat is energy, right? So protein can get broken down into carbs, but that's just not an efficient process. And so you're gonna set yourself up for the most amount of energy and success by eating a high fat diet. That doesn't mean you should skimp on your protein. You need the protein to rebuild yeah, the building blocks. And so if you are super active and you're not really looking to cut weight, you're looking to more gain weight or just improve performance, then you should eat a high calorie, high fat, maybe 70% fat diet. Right now, I think we're sitting at about like 73 to 75% fat. Yeah. And that's because we are trying to gain weight. But then that just, if you're trying to lose weight, just like flip that slightly, but don't go, it's never a time to go low fat. Like we're not trying to promote a low fat diet here, but it's really easy to just flip that and maybe go to like a 60, 40. If like you need to lose some weight and that's why you're coming to carnivores for weight loss. Yeah. Just prioritize the leaner meats more. We've noticed working with some clients that females have a harder time doing a lower fat percentage diet where it seems like males can get away with a lower fat percentage. Yeah. They get the the females we've worked with. Um, when we get down to that, like last little bit of weight they need to lose and like we have to tweak their fat macro slightly they start to have like the cravings again that are just not aligned with this lifestyle and we have to switch it for them. So again, honestly, experiment. Um, If you're lifting weights, we never suggest going lower than one gram of, one gram of protein per pound of body weight. weight. That's Um, just our opinion on it. And then just use fat as a lever. Mm -hmm. Use that as a tool. Definitely. Um, So, I have so many questions. Do you think protein or fat's more satiating? Ah, oh, that's such a good question. I think I think protein is personally. I think protein is more like you'll keep you full longer. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't. We don't eat low fat, so like it's really hard to say. Come back to us in like a month. We're gonna be cutting. Mm-hmm. So, I'll ask I, you then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that as like a general rule of thumb, though, like protein is more. It it'll keep you fuller longer. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> I think yeah. protein is way more satiating. Um, have, do you guys drink coffee? Have you tried adding coffee in? So I used to rely on coffee Mm. and I realized over time that I am one of those people that digests coffee really slowly. So it affects my sleep, affects my digestion. So coffee is one of those things that doesn't work well with me and I shouldn't include it. I used to enjoy it. It used to be a ritual, um, but I have not had coffee in like over a year now and I'm totally fine. We do consume caffeine because caffeine is one of the best performance improvements you can use as a supplement for gym performance. Like it's kind of like non-debatable. Caffeine will improve your gym performance um, if you're pushing yourself super hard. So we do pre-workout caffeine, but not coffee. Okay, gotcha. So I wanna talk more about your nose to tail approach and why that's so important for you and what that looks like for you. Yeah. So it's important to us because there's like, there's four main things. One, it's cost friendly. So a lot of the off, let's call them off parts. So that includes like odd, odd bits, like chicken feet and then opals, like liver. They're a lot less expensive because not many people 
want them, right? So like the farmer kind of needs to get rid of them. So you can get them for as cheap as $2 a pound or you can get them free. For free. So it's a more cost effective way to live this life. And I say that because yes, you can find cheap meat at the market, but there's always a hidden cost to cheap food, especially meat. And it's, it sits heavy on our hearts because buying cheap meat directly contributes to um, climate change and directly contributes to our environment, our soil health decreased. So we are huge proponents on supporting regenerative agriculture and supporting 100% grass-fed regenerative farms, and that is more expensive. So by taking a nose-to-tail approach, you can cut that grocery bill because you're buying cheaper parts. Another thing is, like I said, sustainability for the environment um, and also animal welfare in terms of like the regenerative part and supporting good ranchers and good farmers. If we all bought ribeyes, like what would happen to all these other parts? Like it would all go to waste. Yes. Yeah. So there's less waste. And also, even though the nose to tail approach is debated, right? So you've got the Paul Saladino side, which is really nose to tail. And then you've got the Sean Baker who's like, just eat meat. It's fine. You don't need that. There's people doing excellent on both sides. Yeah. So but like but we, Sarah and I take this approach of, okay, all these RDAs recommended daily amounts for micronutrients may not be applicable in the context of a low carb or zero carb diet, right? And people pretty much agree with that, but can we just ignore those entirely, right? Like why chance, why chance it? So what she's getting at, a lot of the opals have very unique widespread of nutrients and so it would almost be silly to not include them yeah primarily liver is very nutrient dense and then another the last thing is for variety in our diet like yeah. she was saying earlier it gives us like different tastes different textures it's, those inner foodies yeah, all y'all inner foodies you can get so creative with the different parts of the animal so that's why it's it's so important to us and like seriously it's so important for the regenerative part like we can't all be supporting conventional meat. It just is not going to be sustainable for our planet, animal health at all. And like, wow, like that's just, that's a whole other it's podcast. Very, it's very true to our heart because we want to be farmers one day, one day soon. I need to grab Yeah. You do? You want to be farmers? Yeah. So that's like actually our end goal. And that's why we do all the social media things because um, we want to eventually have our own farm. So we need to get the finances for that. And so I was actually doing some farming internships over last summer, just kind of learning. And I realized like, oh, I've got a lot to learn. But that was also the time when I was just getting into carnivore. So I think that really helped me because I started, it gave me this sense of connection to my food and what I was eating. And like coming from a plant-based diet, it was like, it was a mind fuck because I didn't think it was ever going to be sustainable to eat so high animal. And it, I had to talk to those regenerative farmers to understand, like, look, ruminant animals are necessary for this, the health of our soil and for reversing climate change. And so I think that just gave me a whole nother push to, like, fall in love with the carnival way of life because I started to understand, like, everything I thought about animals and the cow burps or whatever, I was just wrong mm -hmm. for the part, not with conventional meat. And so I think if, if somebody's a vegan right now and they're like, thinking like, oh my God, these people are insane. That really get to know the science behind what's going on in the environment and how regenerative agriculture can actually help the environment. That could be a huge push for you to recognize like there is a lot 
more to this way of life than just the food aspect of it. Yeah, I think that, you know, when this conversation first comes up with someone new, the, the two questions that come up, at least for me, is always, where are you getting your nutrients from? Aren't you worried you're not going to get your nutrients? And you're killing the planet. And yeah. I would love to hear, because I know other people listening, they get the same questions. And, like, wh- if, if some random person you're just meeting, you're trying to explain how you eat, they're asking you about it, ask you those questions, what answer would you give? Yeah, so I think one needs to take a step back and look at all of the things in our world that contribute to climate change. Of all of that, the highest is transportation and what else? Let's just go with transportation. Transportation is a huge one. So planes and then, yeah. Of the total 100%, uh, animal agriculture contributes something like 2.5 to 3%. So overall, it's a really small percentage. Then now if we zoom in at that 2.5 to 3%, most of that is from conventional feedlot farms. If we look at regenerative small local farms that are practicing rotational grazing, who are doing it responsibly, they're operating at a, at a carbon negative, meaning they're reverse helping to reverse climate change. One of our favorite farms is White Oak Pastures. They had their farm analyzed and it was show, it, they showed that they operate at a carbon net negative. Which means they sequester more carbon into the soil than they emit. Yes. And then, so that's one part is if you're supporting these small local farms, they're actually reversing climate change. Whereas mono agriculture, so for example, these endless cornfields, they're significantly contributing because they're destroying the health of the soil. Oh yeah. The health of the soil is going to dictate um, the health of our country and then the amount of climate change that we have. So the healthy soil is going to be able to sequester carbon, pull it in from the environment. Yeah, and I think if we were having this conversation with someone, we would just point them in the direction of a lot of great resources, like the Savory Institute, yes. um, the American Grass-Fed, Alli- Grass-Fed Alliance, or even just looking at white oak pastures practices, like with the science to back it up. Yeah, I think that would be a great start. Um, we do we do get that question a lot, and it's not easy, especially. We're never trying to make an enemy and we're never trying to tell someone they're doing something wrong. But I think that the other side of this conversation, so the vegans and those that think like, oh my God, we're killing the planet by eating meat. Um, they need to recognize everything that's going wrong in plant production as well. And it's it's a, it's a mass murder of a lot of different animals, insects, a lot of small rodents. It's I think the biggest thing though is that it, it destroys the soil. The monocropping and the tillage does, yes. yes. And so there's always two sides to an argument. And like I would just encourage someone to look at those resources that you point them to. So again, the Savory Institute is probably the best one. And just say like, hey, if you're that violently, or if you, honestly, if you care enough to ask me that question, I think that you would love looking into yeah. this. And this is a great resource to start there. Yeah. So that that's probably what I would do. I think that's a great answer. Because I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing. To, it's very hard to answer because when people ask me that, I'm like, do you want me to try and convince you to change your worldview in two minutes? Because this exactly. isn't going to happen. Exactly. You know, it's, it's so, I mean, it's tough to navigate these. So what about when someone just says, well, where do you get your nutrients? Oh, yeah, this is great. Yes, this is probably one of the most challenging ones, because along with that, people say, aren't you worried about getting cardiovascular disease with all the <laughs> that you're consuming? So I think the nutrient one, I, it helps so, that we've 
we've um, posted so many times about this in Instagram because it's like each Instagram post is like its own little research project. Um, so I like to pull the evolutionary side, right? So say, all right, think back to 10,000 years ago or 20,000 years ago before whatever, I don't know how long ago the industrial revolution, uh, revolution was, but before so much of human evolution, we have been consuming animal products and it hasn't been it's only been like the last like small percentage of human evolution that we've been relying on carbs and implants. implants. And so clearly humans had to evolve and have evolved by just eating animals. Evolving meaning our brains got larger, like yeah. we started to be able to function better. So clearly they were having bioavailable nutrients at that time. So I think bringing up the evolution side helps because it makes them think like, oh, wait, yeah, how did humans eat before we had access to all these carbs and, yeah. and refined grains and stuff like that. And also just like, I, I don't, I mean, someone would have to look in, like literally try to look into it for themselves. But like, if you just do a simple search on the food database mm -hmm. and you type in beef liver raw, you will come to find that the nutrients available in one ounce of beef liver is higher than all of the nutrients. Like I think there was a study done, like you'd have to eat eight oranges to get the same amount of like X nutrient. It's insane. Also to go off of this, based on what we were saying about the environment, our, most of the soil out there is so nutrient poor and nutrient deficient that the produce grown on it is as nutrient deficient as the soil. So yeah. the crops that we have today are not the same that our ancestors ate, but the animals are. And so those nutrients have remained stable. The animal nutrients have remained stable. The, pro the plants and the produce have not. And I mean, it, again, it's just something like I can give you all the numbers. Don't worry about me. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine. And then obviously just like saying, if I eat a nose to tail carnivore diet, I can obtain all of the nutrients that I need as a human. Whereas if I was a vegan, I would have to supplement. Yeah. Very true. I have this conversation far too often. Um, yeah. But, well, kind of going off of that, because I know there are some other things you guys do to uh, optimize your diet, and I want you to talk about your carnivore soda. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's huge. Okay, so carnivore soda is basically the, the only ingredient is um, exogenous, just pure glycine powder, and we mix that into a carbonated sparkling water. water. Yeah. Sparkling water. So it's two ingredients basically and glycine kind of has like a sweet hint yeah it's so really it, nice. it becomes like a soda mm -hmm. right ish and so glycine is important in the methionine to glycine ratio and so if you are on a plant-based diet you're getting a lot of glycine if you're on an animal-based diet you're getting a lot of methionine in the protein and it's very important to balance these for having an efficient methylation process so it has a lot to do with detoxification and so you never want to just completely just not care about glycine. Um, and so that's why we incorporate the exogenous form of glycine into our diet and in the form of the car uh, carnivore soda in order to balance that ratio because we do eat a very methionine high diet, if that makes sense. And we did an entire like Instagram blog post um, about the methionine to glycine ratio, which we can link in the show notes maybe. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so that, if you're kind of confused what that is, we can link that in. So we do that for the methionine to glycine ratio, but glycine itself has been shown to be a super powerful supplement. 
And one thing that I noticed significantly is it helps with sleep onset. So by consuming my glycine, like somewhat close to bed, um, it helps me with my sleep. That's yeah. for sure. A lot of people have seen anxiety reduction. They see a calmer mood when they take glycine. Um, there's a, there's a, you'll find out there's a lot of benefits. Glycine, do you take, do you drink the carnivore soda? Yeah. Uh, Ever since I saw you guys doing it, I'm like, oh, that sounds good. So now I do it. Yeah. But for anyone that tries it, you gotta make sure you stir it up between oh, it each dissolve. sip. Glycine <laughs> yeah. does not dissolve, so just keep, stir, sip, stir, sip, stir. Yeah, it's a, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, that took me a second to figure out. I was like, I can't taste it, and then I got to the bottom. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I like it, though. It tastes good. It tastes good. Um, but, I mean, since you're talking about sleep, too, I'm curious, have you guys toyed with, like, meal timing at all? Because I know some people like to – I know you guys – usually do like a lunch dinner situation right but I know some people have, have been really into like breakfast lunch more so I'm Honestly, curious if you've toyed with it that's an experiment we haven't done yet mm -hmm. but it is on our list we have like a to-do list of like things we want to experiment with and that's definitely like an earlier window well yeah. ever since we got into the where we like no longer um stress about eating windows so we don't yeah. like stress about fasting and so right now for our schedule we just do two meals and our last meal is probably about 5 p.m. We don't like to eat too close to bedtime because I get like really overheated. Just the nature of digesting a lot of protein, it like thermogenesis, your body's going to get hot. Yeah. And so uh, I wouldn't stress about it, but I also, we really take note not to eat too close to bedtime. Sometimes we fail at this just because, you know, schedules, but that's like, that's our one main focus. And we like going to the gym in the morning and we like training fasted. And we like training fasted. So it's just a bunch of variables that you have to balance. But personally, I don't think it matters as long as it's not negatively impacting you. So I would not recommend eating all of your food at 7, 8, 9 p.m. That's like really close to bedtime. But like find an eating window that works for you during the day. And it's fine. Yeah. Have you, you, you've done, you do OMAD sometimes, right? Today we're actually doing OMAD because we just had the gym had and then meeting we and had this podcast, meetings so. and podcast. So honestly, we don't, we just don't stress about it, but we also don't want to rush our food because we just like eating is such a beautiful experience, right? And yeah, all of this bioavailable, wonderful nutrients, like we never like to rush it. So if we only have like 30 minute window, like I'm going to choose to just wait because I, I don't. But I think that's like super significant that somebody needs to realize that like, we can do a OMAD, a one meal a day by choice on random occasion and not feel this like sense of need to binge or like I'm hungry and tired all day because we have complete control over our hormones and our hunger and our blood glucose. That's so significant. It yeah. really is so empowering because you get so much time back. Like I didn't have time to eat today, so I'll eat later. But like that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you can relate to like going back to before keto and thinking that you had to eat every two, three hours, right? Like, yeah. oh, I have to snack because I, I, need, I need to eat during this time. Yeah, It is very stressful. I felt like I used to have to plan my whole day around food. We did. And, we, yeah, and now it's like I have more time to work. I have more time. To, I have, like, slow mornings. I just feel like I have more time, and I'm the same way where if I only have 30 minutes, I'm not going to eat because I want, like, at least an hour. I want an hour to oh, just, like, yes. enjoy it. Yeah. I'm the same way. So. Yeah. And it's nice because it's like if I don't have time right now, I'm not going to be so starving. I can't wait another hour or two. Exactly. Know? So yeah. it is it is freeing in that sense. And since I know 
I know fitness is such an important part of your life, and you guys go hard at the gym. Did you, have you noticed any changes in your your performance? Because I I know a lot of people argue about that too. They're like, oh, I need the carbs. Have you noticed anything? Um, honestly, it it did. There was an adaptation period, but now uh, I would say that I'm stronger relatively. So I've lifted more weight in my life. For example, like I've deadlifted 400 pounds before but I weighed a lot more. So now like my relative strength to my current body weight is a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's honestly my goal. Like I, I want to be strong yeah. for my size. And so I would say no, but I full transparency, I incorporate intra workout carbs from time to time. Like maybe she does it maybe once every two weeks. Exactly. I do not. But... Um, and I do it because my coach is like, my training is intense. Um, mm-hmm. I go heavy and I go, high volume. Um, and so I have found that when I do intra workout carbs, I'm able to push myself longer. And so I can keep that high training stimulus throughout my gym, gym session. And ultimately, if you're able to push yourself more, that means like more gains, more muscle. So I've noticed that on days where I know that it's going to be a super hard lift and I, in, and I implement intra workout carbs, 10 to 15 grams of carbs, not much at all. It doesn't kick me out of ketosis. And it helps me push myself more in the gym. I've seen I, benefit there. I don't do that personally. So, like, I think it's a cool thing that somebody can do if they want to do it. And they really care about performance. But, like, that's not my main focus right now. So, I don't think it's necessary. I haven't noticed any decreases in performance. And I actually, like, find that I had a better time putting on muscle in this way of life and with this kind of protein. Um, I think another thing, Ashley and I were talking about this yesterday, when we were filming for a YouTube video, and this is extremely significant, is we don't, we no longer have joint pain and deal with like arthritis-like symptoms, so we no longer have to take, like sometimes we used to have to take weeks off of squatting because we'd have hip pain, but we don't go through that anymore because there's no inflammation there from our diet. So yeah, so we're able to push ourselves more consistently. Yes. So and that's just another benefit here (laughs) yeah so what do you use when you do have those those carbs yeah so I experimented with honey I was doing honey for a while but it honestly just got super annoying to spoonful honey but honey is carnivore honey honey is carnivore and honey is a great option um but I there's just something about drinking something while you lift Mm -hmm. and I I use something called keto super carb it's like a quick it, it's a blend of like a few different carb sources and it also has exogenous ketones in it. Um, and it's from a company called archetype supplements. Um, and I'm like, I'm friends with the owner. And so he got me into it. And so I, that's what I like to incorporate because I just like to drink something while I lift as opposed to being in honey. The only there is stevia though. Yeah. It's only sweet with stevia so that it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Are you guys in ketosis? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. I, we don't ever. I'm not test. always. I don't think I am either, but I don't ever test it, and I don't stress about it anymore. Yeah. Because the other health benefits that have come from carnivore is just like way more significant than being like, ah, I've got what? 2.0 ketones. You know, like uh, you should never chase, don't chase ketones. The ketone level. Yeah, I'm the same. So, what have your parents thought of this whole thing? My <sighs> parents are excellent love our parents uh-huh. and the fact that we have parents that care about our health and are concerned for us, we are very blessed for. It's been an uphill battle. But it's an uphill battle and it's something that we're still working on. Um, yeah. You know, they grew up in the time where they've, they've been told you should never eat fat, you should limit your red meat consumption to one time a week and they still hold those truths very close to heart, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
the approach that I started to take was I tried to show all the science. I tried to show like, hey, this is what we're like, this is what we should be doing. And I kind of took like a lecture approach and that did not work. It did not come across well. They weren't listening. So now we take the approach of lead by example, show by example, show how awesome we're doing, how awesome we're feeling. And they've been much more receptive to that approach. Yeah. It's taken, it's, there's been a lot of very bad fights. There has. To say the least. There has. Um, but it, we all are coming from a place loving each other, each other. And I think that's what someone needs to realize is like, if your parent is concerned, it's because they care about you. Yeah. Don't yell at them for caring about you. Just like respectfully explain why you're doing this and like how you're going to be okay. And if they want the research, they can find it and then just go from there. I think leading and showing by example is the best approach to take. I totally agree. I think it's helpful for people to hear that because I mean, I went through the same thing and I know a lot of like my clients I work with, it's like dealing with the family is really tough for people. So it helps to know like other people go through that too, right? Like people don't always see things the same way. Um, but definitely just leading by example. So my last question for you is what is your ideal dinner platter? Oh my god. Oh man. Okay. Ah, this is such a big question. <laughs> okay, so we love chuck steak. So mine would have chuck steak on it. Wait, okay, just to like clarify, I think that we we might like ribeye better, but I think like chuck is so cheap that like that that cheap price just like oh uh, that's why we eat so much chuck is because okay. we got so many Go by out. taste. Go by taste. This is your last okay. meal. Okay. Ah. So then then okay. Okay, it'd be ribeye then. It's gonna have a ribeye. It's gonna have a ribeye on it. It's going to have a a ribeye with like a huge fat cap. A huge fat cap. That was sauteed in uh raw homemade butter. Excellent. Um (laughs) then it's going to have a pig's foot on it. So a pig trotter. Yeah. I know that sounds weird. Get yourself a pig trotter. (laughs) Get yourself a pig trotter. Oh man, this is tough. I would definitely have some raw beef suet because like suet bay. Yeah. Um I would have a uh, Iberico hog pork legato cut. So Iberico hogs are from Spain. They're like these fancy pigs. We're going to have to talk about this with you. Yeah, we do. Fancy pigs. And they, (laughs) their diet is super high in nuts and pigs are like monogastric animals. So they, their muscles and tissues will be dictated by what they eat. And so because they're diet is super high in nuts, then their final fat is super high in oleic acid omega-9s and so their fat has like this sweet olive oil taste it's amazing so my my plate would have a lot of iberico pork on it okay let me go and then she made quiche the other day that had sweet bread in it so i would have a sweet bread quiche and then i would also have a side of scrambled eggs but then i would also have an over easy duck egg because i need all the variety mm-hmm. if this is my last plate um, beef tongue, shredded beef tongue in a carnivore tortilla as a taco. Yeah, we made this the other day. <clears throat> and then, um, some of what we like to call carnivore marshmallows. So it's tendons, beef tendon, beef Very tendons. Excellent. There we go. And probably a lamb shoulder roast for safe measures. That's a large platter. Very, bump, <laughs> very bumping indeed. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm that into was- it. That was a good answer. Well done. Well done. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you further. So why don't you just remind everyone where they can find all the things from you both? Yeah. So first, um, check us out on Instagram and YouTube. It's the same name, strong.sistas. Yes. YouTube, it can be youtube.com-strongsistas with no dot. 
And then our website is www.armstrongsisters.com. It's weird. Um, we have what? Oh yeah, we have a newsletter. So we just started a newsletter every Sunday, and we share like a full week's worth of workouts on there. For free, for free, and other exciting information. It's exciting to us. And so you can subscribe on our website to the newsletter. And then we're coming out with a cookbook with Dr. Paul Saladino. So that should be out in the spring. That's another way to kind of like learn about what we're about. Um, and then we're coming out with a few other resources too, which you'll find out by being on our newsletter. Yeah, so, so stay tuned. I would get there. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much. I had so much fun chatting with you. Thank you for having us. We really enjoyed it. Don't you guys just love these women? They're amazing. Make sure you head over to their Instagram page at strong.sistas and check out their YouTube channel. Just search Armstrong Sisters. And you can also head on over to their website, armstrongsisters.com to get more from them. They put out amazing content. Whether or not you eat a carnivore diet, you will love following them. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you took a screenshot, tagged Ashley and Sarah, tagged me, tagged Wellness Wellness Podcast. That way other people can see what you're listening to and I can say thank you for sharing about the show. If you want exclusive behind the scenes access to everything related to this show, what's really going down and my life, I've been posting a lot of videos and other content to the secret Instagram page, Wellness Realness Crew. So if you're interested in getting access to that, all you have to do is write a rating and a review on iTunes for the show. Take a screenshot and DM it to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram. Request to follow and I will accept that and then you'll get access to all of the exclusive behind the scenes content. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. Stay amazing. Have an awesome rest of your day and I will chat with you again next time. Bye.